0: Dagger! Hello, hello, hello. Welcome to another episode of Well Beyond the Arc. I'm Manoli.
1: And I'm Montana.
0: And we'll be talking, as always, NBA basketball here for the next hour or so. Montana, I think there's just been a couple things in the the news NBA-wise this week. Just a couple. So I think we got plenty to talk about.
1: Absolutely, just a few, right? Just just
0: a, just a couple of things here and there. Well, we're into another week of uh, NBA basketball, uh, NBA playoff basketball, and you know, a couple of things we want to get out of the way first. Um, the NBA has a- awarded, or at least announced, a couple new awards uh, over the last week or so. Uh, the NBA's Rookie of the Year for the two thousand twenty-two, tw- I'm sorry, season is Scotty Barnes of the Toronto Raptors. And the Most Improved Player Award for the season handed out just a little while ago to Memphis Grizzlies' John Morant. Montana, any issues on your end on either one of those award choices?
1: Rookie of the Year, none at all. I mean, Scotty Barnes has played amazing. Um, He's really shown out in the playoffs as well. Uh, That Raptors team obviously was down 3-0. Got that game to 3-1, and now they're ahead 63-52 to in the third. And he's had himself a pretty solid game that's helped keep them in it. He scored 12 points, 4 rebounds, 1 assist, 2 steals. Pretty solid stat line for the rookie. Um, definitely showing up when it matters. So no problems at all. Um, obviously, Mobley was, was right up there with him, in my opinion. But I would definitely give it to Barnes. I think they, they picked right. Nice. Now, most improved player... Um, We'd already discussed this last week, but someone was snubbed altogether, and that would be Jordan Poole. The improvement he has made, he deserved to be on that list, just on the list. He deserved to be on the list. Sure. Obviously not um, Ja. The fact that Ja was viewed as an MVP candidate possibility at a point in the season, and he's winning most improved player. I get it, but it's also, like, I definitely think when we're looking at most improved, a player like Jordan Poole deserved it. And he got snubbed altogether, so um, we already discussed that last week. But most improved player, I've got some questions about. Uh, Jaw's amazing, and he definitely has improved. Um, but he's kind of been that guy. A player like Jordan Poole, you know, had all this G League time. I just really quickly listened, saw this today. Before he got called up to play on the Warriors, he was thinking about becoming a video analyst for the Warriors and just giving up basketball altogether. So the fact that he was just in that position and now he's in a on a contender team and a part of a contender team, you got to at least have him on there. So my, my problems lie with most improved player, but Ja obviously improved and had a great season. So no, no real problems there, just some questions, I'll say.
0: Yeah. Stop me. If you heard me say this before, I want to argue with you, but I can't, but I'll throw a couple of curveballs in here. Yeah. I, I don't, I don't have a issue. You know, I'm not going to jump on a soap, my soapbox here and, and totally rip both choices. Uh, Scotty Barnes, you know, obviously he's made a huge impact for the Toronto Raptors. They're in the playoffs. Um, you know, if they would have went with Evan Mobley, I wouldn't have had a problem with that either. You know, between those two guys, I think, you know, either one of them could have won it. Okay. With Scotty Barnes, just like you. Um, and he's he's playing through an injury. We'll talk more about that here in a second. Most improved player. You know, looking up some stats last week. You know, John Morant has I think either the second highest points per game average jump from season to from last season to this season. He's taking that next step. He was a star, borderline all star to a surefire all star. So there has been improvement there. However, I think that just like you, I think Jordan Poole should have got more consideration. I think he got snubbed out of being one of the top three finalists. Uh, I've been riding the the Desmond Bain train all season long. I think he's a hell of a player. I think he should have got more uh, more consideration. Tyrese Maxey, the Philadelphia 76ers as well. I mean, he's his role has grown. Um, we really didn't talk about him much, but you know, I think that's that's kind of where I fall with the most improved player. And you know, shout out to John Morant. Classy move. Not sure if you saw this earlier today, but. It was once it was announced that John Morant had won Most Improved Player of the Year award, he had tweeted out a picture of the award in Desmond Bain's kitchen, and he said, "Hey, I left your award in the kitchen." Classy move, classy move. That's a hell of a teammate right there, and that's all, all that's going to do is improve team chemistry for those guys. So, congratulations to both Scotty Barnes and John Morant and Desmond Bain for having the award in his kitchen for a little while. Well, we, we mentioned uh, Scotty Barnes' injury. And he's out there trying to get it out during the playoffs. A couple other injuries occurred while we were, you know, in the last week or so. Uh, Bucks lost Chris Middleton to a sprain MCL. Not sure how long he's going to be out. That's a huge loss for for the Bucks, although they haven't really missed him because they're beating the hell out of my Chicago Bulls without him. Um, we talked a little Devin Booker, and we'll get into that here in a little bit. Of the Suns, he's out with a hamstring pull. He's probably going to be out for another week or two. Uh, Suns definitely miss him. Joel Embiid tore a ligament in his thumb, but a la Kobe Bryant, not that saying that they're the same player or very similar, he's going to gut it out. Uh, apparently they can't make the injury worse, so something to keep an eye on as the 76ers advance in the playoffs. But there's one guy missing in action that everyone in the league's been talking about the last day or two, and he hasn't seen the floor for about a year, and everybody's waiting to see when he's going to come back, and that's the Nets' Ben Simmons. Unless you've been living under a rock the last couple days, you've heard about how it was expected he was going to play in game four tonight, and it didn't happen. So, Montana, what say you about the whole Ben Simmons situation?
1: Well, first of all, not that Ben Simmons was planning on coming back, because it does not look like he was, but he won't even have a chance now because the Celtics just beat the Nets 116-112 to to officially sweep them from the playoffs. So, this is what I'm going to say first. I never expected Ben Simmons to suit up. I, I never expected it. Um, he's had somewhat of a checkered past, both with injuries and also with some behavior stuff. The thing that gave that made me look at him a little bit differently and not completely come down on him in Philadelphia was the guy had an entire fan base turned on him while he was still on the court, while he was still playing the last few Games and then also when he was sitting on the sidelines to have an entire fan base, your fan base cheering against you, that would be hard. I don't blame him for not wanting to suit up, but the Brooklyn Nets picked you up for this exact reason they needed that guy. They thought Ben Simmons was that guy. Obviously, when they picked him up, they didn't think he was going to play at first. I was fine with that. I was like, he's going to, they're going to get him in either right before the playoffs to get him ready or right at the playoffs. That didn't happen.
0: Um, well, what, what happened
1: was. <laughs> and it, the, thing that, the thing that I don't like about Ben Simmons is I don't think he ever intended on playing this, this series. I don't think he ever intended on playing this series. I think that there was a lot of pressure from the organization, a lot of pressure from the players, because, again, they picked him up for this very instance. So I don't think he ever intended on playing. You know, we see video. There was videos of him warming up and this and that. But Zion Williamson was doing dunks and warming up, and he's not going to play. Just because you warm up and you're practicing doesn't mean you're going to play. We've seen that with a few players. So I never believed in the hype, but I was hoping for his sake that he would lose that image of being kind of a pill, kind of a guy that doesn't want to compete. He doesn't seem like he wants it enough because you just mentioned Joel Embiid. He's injured, and he's going to play. He's getting surgery after the season. Ben Simmons doesn't even need surgery for what he has right now. He's, he should be on the court, but he's never been a player in his entire career that has had that fight. Some athletes have it, some don't. Some will play through everything. Some will play through nothing. He's one that will honestly, in my opinion, play through nothing. So he, his image has just gotten worse. I do believe he's really injured. I don't I don't doubt he's injured. I believe he's injured. He's been injury prone his whole season. Like the guy couldn't even play his actual rookie season because he was injured. So he he's been injured off and on. He had some healthy years in Philly, had some decent years in Philly, but for the most part he's bounced back and forth from injuries and as of recent, he's had a lot of media backlash with some of the things. And it's never really been things he's said. That's another thing. He's not a very vocal guy. He hasn't said anything. People. Yeah, he hasn't said a single thing. He hasn't thing. said anything. And that almost makes it worse because we don't get his side of everything. Tell us how the fans in Philly were mistreating you. Tell us about these things. Don't let us hear from you know all these other outside sources. Tell us personally. It doesn't have to be very long. Just make a media statement. Do something. Don't just sit in the background and just – sit there and and he stands out i mean you saw him on the sidelines the other night and his whole get up i mean he was definitely sticking out on the the, you know on the sidelines so he (laughs) he is a player that is very skilled and has so much talent but i think there's a lot of other things that play into it that kind of overshadow that talent um
0: 33 million dollars a year that's where that's part of it
1: yeah that's that is Um, And really quickly, just briefly moving into the Nets as a whole, um, I don't want to stick on this for too long because I know that we're mainly focused on Ben Simmons, but this Nets team is one of the biggest disappointments in the last few years. I mean, for the players they had and the hype they built up, even when they were in the playing game, they had hype. They're like, they never had the full squad, now they've got this, now they've got that, they're ready. Well, they just got swept by the Celtics. You know, they just got swept by Kyrie's old team. We just saw Kyrie. Like I'd mentioned after their first game, I said Kyrie is going to disappear. Yes, he dropped 16 in Game Three. Yes, he dropped 20 tonight. Kyrie should be dropping 28 or 30. So, excuse me, 26 to 30. I'm not going to say 28. He should be dropping 28 to 30 points. 26 to 30 points. Excuse me, I can't even
0: talk. De- de- definitely, definitely more than what he's doing. That's for no. sure.
1: No, KD. I will say stood up tonight and dropped the most points he's had in the series. But he missed a couple of free throws that would have made the game a different game. So he choked. They choked. Um, That 2018-2019 squad with D'Angelo Russell, Jared Dudley, um, a a lot of role players, (laughs) six feet, and at least won one game against Philly. I'm taking that 2018 2019 squad versus this team because we've seen it's not always about all the skill you have. You have to have the consistency. You have to have offense. You have to have defense. And this Nets team was just a circus. We're going to do all these offensive things. We're not going to play defense. We're going to be really inconsistent. And frankly, I'm glad they're out of the playoffs because I don't think they deserve to be in them in the first place with how they played. And there we go.
0: All right. <laughs> Take a breath, sir. <laughs> Take a breath. All right. Well, I, when you said that, you know, you you started thinking differently about Ben Simmons, I thought it was going to be about his wardrobe. I mean, yeah. uh, some of those choices. I mean, we can say that about a lot of guys in the NBA. You know, in, in the 80s and 90s, we had the human highlight film, Dominique Wilkins. But, you know, nowadays we have the human highlighter in, in Ben Simmons. <laughs> Look, Ben Simmons is an enigma. He hasn't, like you said, he hasn't said anything to the media. I mean, it's not not. Not necessarily our business, but he's not helping himself at all. And anybody in the Nets organization, or even the Philadelphia 76ers organization that, you know, was leaking things here and there, but let's just stick with the Nets, even in the last couple of weeks, saying that they expect him to play game four. Well, it's only been a couple of days since game three. How come we couldn't play game three? The guys on inside the NBA said the exact same thing. I couldn't agree with them more. Um, now, there, what has happened at least the reasons that have been given for Ben Simmons, not seeing the court this year are a couple different things. Number one, he wanted to be traded from Philadelphia. He made that perfectly clear in the off season and to Philadelphia's credit, they didn't trade him just because they, he wanted to be traded. They got a They got a pretty good pat. Well, they got James Harden for it. That's more on that later, but um, it's a combination of a back injury, which, you know, you say is injured. I don't believe he's injured, but that's just me combination of a back injury and mental health issues now i will say this if there's truth to the mental health issues mental health is a serious thing i don't necessarily understand everything about it but i do acknowledge that if that's truly what's happening that is a serious thing and i hope the kid gets the help that he needs he's only 25 does have a a bunch of talent but i don't believe that either because i don't trust ben simmons I don't trust the guy that passed up a wide open layup in last year's playoffs that could have changed his team's fortunes. I don't trust the guy that was saying, you know, half-assed it in training camp with the 76ers because he pouted because he didn't want to be there. I don't trust the guy that wasn't even trying to even to get on the court with Philly. Then he gets his wish which if I was a 76ers, I wouldn't have traded him, but I guess it was becoming too much of a circus there in Philly, so I can't blame him for that. He gets his wish and gets traded to Brooklyn. He got his get-out-of-jail-free card. He got his opportunity to get a clean slate and start all over again. Now, supposedly, he had a back injury. If it was a serious back injury, they should have announced it, shelved him, and all this could have went away. But they kept on saying, well, maybe it'll be a couple more weeks. Maybe he'll miss a couple of games. At first, they were talking about holding him out until the Nets went back to the 76ers so he wouldn't have to deal with that with the Philly fans, which, you know, they're among the toughest in the league, if not the country, in all sports. And then they kept saying, oh, he might come back. He might come back. Well, maybe he'll be, uh, he'll be able to play in the first round of the playoffs. And then just last week, during a Nets practice, they got footage of Ben Simmons dunking and ben Sivens went to espn beat reporter nick friedell and asked him did you get that as far as meaning his, the footage of him dunking so he wanted to show he was ready to play and all of a sudden they announced well you know he'll probably play in game four but why couldn't he play in game three and then the nets go down three nothing and all of a sudden he doesn't play reggie miller called it a punk move shaq called it a punk move and i agree 100 percent with those guys now again, if there's some sort of serious mental health issue, hope the kid gets everything that he needs as far as help goes. I do not trust him. I don't trust that he was injured. I don't trust that he had these mental health issues. I think he was too scared to play. I think he refused to play, and it cost the Nets a, a chance to to compete for a championship. It might cost Steve Nash's coaching job. It's not the thing that he has to understand is it, it, It's affected your teammates. It's affected the organization. And all these bonehead moves that the Nets have made, and you're right, they've been a circus. If they didn't tr- make the trade for James Harden, they wouldn't have got Ben Simmons. At least James Harden's playing for the 76ers. But they could have had a couple young guys, some picks, and Jared Allen in the middle. Not saying that Jared Allen's better than Ben Simmons, but he would have made a difference defensively. And Ben Simmons would have made a difference in this series defensively, too. He's 6'10", long, a hell of a defender, uber-athletic, with all those guys that we keep talking about with Boston, that you know, six eight to six nine, interchangeable, being able to switch off screens, Ben Simmons would have made an impact. Kyrie wouldn't have to handle the ball so much. You have to do something a little different with Kevin du- Gar- uh, Kevin Garnett, Kevin Durant on the defensive end. He would have made a, a, a difference, but he chose to quit on his team. I was never a fan of Ben Simmons to begin with because here's a little mini hot take. I happen to think that ben simmons is the most overrated nba basketball player in the history of the league i'm going to say it again i think that ben simmons is the most overrated nba basketball player of all time i think he punked out and the the nets they took a chance on him now they did get a good haul back in andre drummond who's made a difference and seth curry another shooter and you need shooters today And they're getting two first round picks from Philly, which are going to be late round picks over the next couple of years. But I still think Philly, or I'm sorry, Brooklyn won the trade, but man, I feel bad. I I almost feel bad for the Nets fan base, but I don't. And I almost feel bad for Ben Simmons. No, I don't. I really don't feel bad for (laughs) Ben Simmons.
1: No. I mean, not not, not
0: when he's getting paid $33 million a year to look like a highlighter on the bench. Get your ass on the court.
1: No, yeah, I agree. And I honestly think that, I do think that he was looking to coming back, and then he saw how down they were in the series, and then he he probably didn't want his first game with Brooklyn, they get swept. You know, I think had they won game three, I think we may have seen Ben Simmons in game four. I really do. I think he shied away from that because I've never really seen a competitive fire in him. He's talented. I've never seen a competitive fire. And every single time they've made the playoffs, even when he has played, he's almost disappeared just the same because he doesn't have that competitive fire. Talented,
0: but not competitive. Couldn't agree more. Well, from someone who's not competitive to one of the more competitive series uh, out west and in the the league altogether, we're talking Suns and Pelicans now. And we talked about Devin Booker being out with that hamstring injury. Huge blow to the Suns. Uh, But that series is tied up 2-2. The Suns showed me something in game three. Uh, getting that win without Devin Booker, but the Pelicans came back last night and and took game four in a 118 103 victory. Montana, are the Suns in trouble, or do you think they're able to pull it off against the surging Pelicans?
1: I'm gonna be honest, I truly think that this Pelicans team is special, and the whole reason not the whole reason, but a big reason is a Mr. Brandon Ingram. That he is, he is real, Brandon Ingram is real and this Pelicans team was the perfect place for him to be. He has stayed with the Pelicans, he's grown with the Pelicans and now he is the Pelicans guy. And not only is he the Pelicans guy, he's one of the young guys that I think is one of the better ones in the league. He's a top 10 player his age and under, I would say. He is a really talented player. He's still really young, he has so much time. You know, CJ McCollum, so much he's he's a vet. He's got a lot of experience. He has a lot of playoff experience. You know, he knows what it takes to win, and he's been on that half when he also knows how it is to lose. So you put one of the most talented young guys to with a very tenured vet, you put them together, you're going to see something special. And that was under the radar. That CJ McCollum pickup was under the radar. No oh, one yeah. really looked at it. And I looked yeah. at that right when it happened, and I was like, you know what? I bet you they're going to make this second, this last push, even – even just making the plan would be huge. Well, making it past the plan and competing with the number one team. I think that this Pelicans team wins. I really do. I think this Pelicans team pulls it off. The Suns aren't helpless without Devin Booker, but it's very obvious who their guy is because without him, they're competing against this Pelicans team and they're losing. Now, could the Pelicans beat them with Devin Booker? maybe i would say it's less likely but they definitely wouldn't beat them i mean it was what 118 to like 105 the other day or let me check really quick i had a
0: 118-103 yesterday
1: they're not gonna lose by like by that much with devin booker so i think the series would be closer with devin booker but i still think this pelicans team would have a chance because of how special they are you know brandon ingram had 30 points yesterday five assists four rebounds he is a scorer. When he came into the league his rookie year, I was like, this guy kind of reminds me of a young Kevin Durant. You know, the way he played the game, looking at highlights of Kevin Durant's rookie season and then looking, and actually I went to a couple um, of Brandon Ingram's rookie games when he was out with the Lakers. Look, watching them play, I saw a lot of similarities. He is a scorer, but he's not just, he's so much more than a scorer. But the fact that this guy is putting up 30 points like it's nothing against a pretty solid Suns team, even without Devin Booker, shows that he's the guy. So I think the Pelicans pull it off. Um, call an upset if you want. I think the amount of skill that this Pelicans team have, it isn't an upset. Um, if they had Devin Booker on the Suns, I would consider it an upset. Without Devin Booker, I think there's a pretty even playing ground, honestly. So I've got the Pelicans winning it. Um Man, when will Chris
0: Paul win a ring? That's all I gotta say. Well, I'm I'm with you on Brandon Ingram. I don't know if I necessarily agree with you know Pelicans, you know, pulling this out. What I will will say is are the Suns in trouble? A little bit, but I think the Suns, even without Devin Booker, still have enough to win. Everybody forgets this team did make the finals last year. And not just because of one guy, Devin Booker. They still have arguably the best leader in the league in CP three. Yes, he's 36, going on 37. Uh, I think he turns 37 next week, actually. Um, you know, they, they have an all-defensive player, Mikel Bridges. They have a former number one overall pick in DeAndre Ayton, who, by the way, has played some of his best playoff basketball in games three and four of the series. Now, and a couple of other things, stats out there at you. In New Orleans, the Suns have struggled from three-point range. The Suns won Game 3 in a close one. They lost Game 4. It wasn't so close as we talked about. But in Game 3, they went 4 of 26 from downtown. I don't expect a team that shot 36.4% over the regular season. Now, granted, that's with Devin Booker. He, he helps with that percentage. But you can't expect them to have another 4 for 26 game. And they did. They shot 7 of 27 from three-point land in Game 4. Not much better, but you know, still, well, well under average. I think when the Suns get back, to Phoenix in game five. They need to make some adjustments. They need to throw guys at Brendan Ingram. But it's hard to do that when you have, you know, probably like you said, the most underrated pickup at the trade deadline and, and CJ McCollum. That dude is a stud. 20 point per game st- score, huge pickup for the Pelicans. It's h- helped Pelicans fans forget about Zion Williamson, who's too busy eating his way out of the league and refusing to play, doing his best Ben Simmons impression. But that's another story for another day. Um, I think the Suns can win without Devin Booker. Now, could they win another series without Devin Booker when you get to the 4-5 matchup, you know, Mavics, Jazz, whoever that's going to be? No, absolutely not. Can the Pelicans win the series? Absolutely. It's open. The door is open. But I think the Suns have to take care of business at home in game five. Uh, you know, CP3, Chris Paul has been alternating good games, bad games in this series. You know, they need to get him some help, at least handling the ball. I think, you know, Monty Williams, good coach. I think he'll make a couple adjustments, maybe have campaign do some of that, the ball handling at least bringing the ball down the court, um, especially when uh, new all-pest team uh, guard Jose Alvarado is guarding him. But, you know, kudos to the Pelicans. They, they have a better roster than, than you know, many give them credit for, especially after a, uh, a three-for-16 start to the year. Who thought that, you know, the Pelicans were going to make the playoffs after that? I mean, I don't think either one of us had the Pelicans coming out of the play-in, but here they are. And you can only play who's on the schedule. You can only play who's available. I think the Suns can pull it out. It's going to go six or seven, obviously, with the 2-2 series. But I think if the Suns take care of business in game five, they have a shot to close it out in game six. I'm going to go out on a limb, and I'm going to say Suns in six here. But I will, with the caveat of the Pelicans, I do believe the Pelicans are fully capable of winning the series.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And, again, I think definitely it'll be close whoever wins it. I've got Pelicans in seven. Um, You know, I think – I think that the Suns aren't going to go out without a fight, and that will result in another win. But I think this Pelicans team kind of sees that they can do this now. And with all the talent they have, if you all buy in, if you have the talent and you buy in, you have a a pretty special situation. So I think we're going to see a really exciting rest of the series. Um, I think whoever wins, it's going to be a hard-fought series, and then they're going to have some – whoever wins – I think is going to have some troubles with who they play next. Um, sure. Specifically the Pelicans. I don't see them making it past the second round. I think they'll, I think I have them winning this round and then being a pretty early four or five game in the next series, but you never know. I mean, I didn't think they were even going to make the, it past the play. And I remember talking about it and they are not the team. I think I had Clippers and, and Timberwolves. So yeah, I, I same. didn't have the Pelicans. I didn't, I truly did not have them. And, I think that they've really showed up, and I also think they've invested in their future with C.J. McCollum. I don't think he was just, I mean, there were all these reports and all these people saying, oh, they just picked him up, like, you know, they're going to ship him out or not, like, I think they're going to keep him around. I think think they're going to build that core around a vet with C.J. McCollum and a young gun with Brandon Ingram. Keep those two guys. Obviously, they have other talent I'm sure they'll keep, but build it around McCollum and, and Ingram, because that is a combination that has really worked in such a short time. So yeah. either way, Pelican Sun's exciting series. I'm glad it wasn't a four-game sweep like I originally thought it was going to be. Um, a little more exciting.
0: Sure. Well, if I'm uh, Pelican's uh, president GM, uh, David Griffin, maybe I look to trade Zion Williamson. I mean, I think there's a guy in in, in Brooklyn who isn't playing much, so maybe just swap him out, swap him out and you know, maybe Ben Simmons can uh, not worry about having to play in a smaller market like uh, New Orleans. Anyway, neither here nor there. It's time to head on to the game that is sweeping the nation. It's another edition of NBA Player or If you missed last week, Montana had an epic performance, going a perfect 5-for-5. Five five. And for those of you keeping score at home, he is 12-of-15, batting 800 in nba player or uh in week two or episode two excuse me we did nba player or european politician followed by nba player or tv weatherman last week again five for five i thought i was going to stump them with 90s tv sitcom characters but young blood proved me wrong so this week though we'll see we'll, we'll find out a lot about montana when we play nba player or Boy band member. We'll find out more about Montana's music taste as well. But yes, NBA player or boy band member. Now I will warn you, Montana. Yes, there's, you know, we qualify the Backstreet Boys and sync as boy bands. But, you know, I, I got to try a little harder to stump you. So I'm going to go back in time too. We're, we're talking possibly new kids on the block, maybe some some big time rush. You know, who knows? Right. So. All I got to say is best of luck to you. Let's see if you can keep the streak going. And this is a little bit about how the game is played. If you've been watching our podcast over the last four weeks, you're very familiar. But for those that are new, if Montana gets the question wrong when I ask NBA player or you, I'm sorry, if he gets it right, you will hear this sound. Victory! Thank you, Johnny Drama. And if Montana happens to get the question wrong, you will hear the sound. All right. Montana, you ready?
1: I am. Let's get into it.
0: All right. The first name. Is this person an NBA player or member of a boy band? The first name is Nathan Morris. Nathan Morris boy band Victory! that might have been the most confident i've ever seen montana at this nathan morris is a member of boys to men and if you google popular boy band names yes boys to men comes on there all right one for one he's on a streak six in a row i forgot what you did in in the second one so i'm just giving you credit for six in a row all right second name is this person an NBA player or boy band mem- member? The name is Travis Knight. Travis Knight.
1: I'm going to stick
0: with boy band member. And the streak is over. <laughs> no. All right, I, I gotta yeah. t- I gotta, I gotta be honest, I, I took a little joy in that one. All right, <laughs> Travis Knight played in the NBA from 1996 to 2003 for the Los Angeles Lakers, Boston Celtics, and New York Knicks, averaging a robust 3.4 points per game in 371 career games. All right, let's see if we can start a new streak. one, one out of two. All right, name number three, Montana, is this an NBA player? or boy band member. The name is Justin Williams. Justin Williams.
1: Um, I'm gonna go, I'm gonna, wow. I don't know if this is smart, but I'm gonna stick with boy band.
0: <laughs> oh no, Justin yeah. Williams from the University <laughs> of Wyoming. Played in the NBA from 2006 to 2008. Spent time with the Sacramento Kings and the Houston Rockets, averaging, just like our friend Travis Knight, 3.4 points per game.
1: Not off to a good start.
0: Not off to a good start. One for three. All right, let's see if we can get back on, on track here. Name number four. Is this person an NBA player or boy band member? The name is J.J. Hickson. J.J. Hickson.
1: Well, I'm going to be smart with this one. I'm going to go NBA player. Victory!
0: You did go smart with this one. J.J. Right. Hickson played, well, from North Carolina State, played in the NBA from 2008 to 2016. He was a former teammate of LeBron James with the Cleveland Cavaliers and also played with the Sacramento Kings, Portland Trail Blazers, Denver Nuggets, and Washington Wizards, averaging 9.5 points per game in. 534 games. All right, new streak started. We're two for four today. And now the fifth and final name of this list, is this person an NBA player or boy band member? The name Montana is Brian Evans. Brian Evans.
1: I'm gonna stick with NBA player. Victory!
0: That was a good choice, sir. Brian Evans, formerly of Indiana University, played for three teams during his NBA career from 1996 to 1999, played for the Orlando Magic, New Jersey Nets, and Minnesota Timberwolves, averaging 3.7 points per game over 102 career games. Well, it was another five-for-five five performance. I got you on a couple, but three-for-five still pretty damn good. Still beating Charles Barkley, that's for sure. <laughs> Raising your – well, you are now 15 of 20 in uh, NBA play or a 750 batting average that would definitely get you in the Hall of Fame. So despite not having a perfect showing, well done, sir.
1: Thank
0: you. All right. We go from some of uh, some great performances from from NBA player or out of Montana to talking about our, our some of these exciting playoff series. And want to get into some of our favorite playoff series and some of our more disappointing, uh, series in our eyes. So let's start with the favorites. Let's start on a positive note, Montana of all the series that are going on, I want you to pick one in particular, just one, which of them is your favorite playoff series so far and why?
1: I'm going to go with the jazz versus the Mavs. Um, I think it's one of the most evenly matched first round, you know, I think it's, I don't want to say like in history, but it's within the last few years, I would say this is one of the most even first rounds we've seen. We are seeing two teams that are extremely talented. Obviously, last episode I called the Jazz the Cowboys of the NBA. I'm sticking (laughs) with it, but obviously it's 2-2, and there's a really close game going on right now between them that's back and forth. So I'm going to go with that series just because of how back and forth and even it is. Um, it's also really exciting to see players like Donovan Mitchell and Luca go head to head. You know Rudy Gobert. Obviously, it's exciting to see some of these bigger names meet up in the first round and compete and make it an exciting series for the fans. So I'm going to go with Utah and Mavs. And honestly, at this point, it's anyone's series. You know they're tied. It's all tied up, um, and it's anyone's series. So I definitely think that this is one of the more exciting and also even. You know. I don't really, you know, seeing a sweep, unless it's your team sweeping someone, isn't that exciting. I like a series that at least has five or six games. So, you know, this Utah sure. and Mavs game, I mean, it's 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 definitely shaping up to be a, a seven. I think it's going to be, I think it's going to run to seven games. I really do. So it's super exciting and definitely my favorite. What about you?
0: Yeah, well, I'm, I'm, I'm with you on that. Um, the NBA also likes it when series go more than four games, too. A little more cash in their pockets because we all know the NBA is hurting for money right now. Uh, My favorite series is the Minnesota Timberwolves versus the Memphis Grizzlies, two young and up and coming teams, two teams that don't have a lot of franchise history success. Now, granted, the Grizzlies have been in the playoffs a bunch over the last uh, 10, 12 years, but. Relatively compared to other franchises NBA history, these are two younger franchises that haven't a lot, of, haven't had a lot of success, and two younger built teams as well. And the atmospheres in both the FedEx Forum and Target Center have been electric. Great games for the most part. You've had a number of, whether it's the Timberwolves or or the Grizzlies, one one team will get out to a big lead, and then there seems to be a comeback in every game. But it seems like each game has been competitive. You know, you have the John Morant coming out party along with, um, you know, Anthony Edwards of the Timberwolves and, you know, Carl anthony Towns. one game, he shows up. The other game, he's just doing one of these. For those that are listening on, on Spotify, I just threw my hands up in the air protesting a call like cat. Anyway, um, right now that series is 2-2 headed back to Memphis. Um, it's not only exciting on, on the court because of, you know, the play between the two teams there've been a couple of random protests all related by the way in 3 of the 4 games each of the game i just a dumb luck i've watched all four of those games and there's been a protester coming out from the crowd protesting against uh, Glenn Taylor one lady tried to super glue herself to the floor which okay I, that that wasn't really going to work um another lady in memphis in the same series decided to chain herself to the stanchion that one got a little of attention and it took them a little while to untangle her but even last night A a woman sitting right behind current owner, Glenn Taylor, jumped out of her second row seat and there is a security guard watching her and just spears her right then and there. So, yeah, it's 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 got a little WWE action. It's got a little protest action. But in all seriousness, the product on the floor has been phenomenal great series you got, that's what playoff basketball is all about the passion from the fans the intensity the competitiveness you can tell that both teams are hungry and both teams are coming and I, I hope selfishly i hope this series goes seven
1: and and i think it very well could i think honestly going into it i was like you know the grizzlies the grizzlies have this but they they don't i mean they and it's not even like they should this this Timberwolves team is talented, and 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 we're seeing Cat. You know, some games have been better than others. We're seeing, you know, Edwards. I mean, that kid is special. And he's a stud. He is. He's an a stud. Stud. He is a player that we are going to see in MVP talks within the next few years. I definitely see him being up there within the next four or five seasons, closer to three, four. I see him being up in MVP talks. Do I see him winning one? I'm not going to try to go that far into the future, but I see him being in in the talk. You know what I mean? So this Grizzlies team is talented, but this Timberwolves team is just as talented. And we are seeing one of the most exciting head-to-head we've seen in a while. And it's exciting on all accounts. I mean, we're seeing a fun game. We're seeing, you know, crazy things happen off the court within the media between these two. Um, John Morant's, Dad and Cat's dad were going back and forth, yeah. a, little, a little banter, and you know, Joust you, you, you
0: mean you mean Usher, Usher and uh, and Cat's dad,
1: <laughs> going back and forth, and it's cool. To, I mean, it's it's fun to see because it's like it's it's competitive, but it's not a lot of like over the top crazy like fighting. Like it's gotten heated. But it's competitive, but it's competitive in the right way. So, I mean, I'm not going to lie. Sometimes it's fun to see them throw hands a little bit, but you don't want to see that for the sure. game. You know, it's.
0: No, because uh, we, we don't promote violence here on no. World Beyond the Arc. Not at all. Not <laughs> at all. Definitely. Just Why can't we all just get along?
1: Exactly. But if it happens, it happens, and it's entertaining. It's been entertaining at times. But obviously, you know, you don't want to see your favorite player get booted because he got in a fight or. Absolutely. A skit. So. You know, we've seen this. This is a competitive series in all the right ways. So I'm really sure. excited. Um, I definitely can see this going to seven games. I hope it goes to seven games. Um, yeah, We may see a few round one, you know, series go to seven games. I really think, like we talked about, you know, Pelicans and Suns. I think that's going to be a six or seven series. I, I have it in seven. So we may see three seven-game series in round one. that would be pretty cool to see. Obviously anything could change, but I see three series that we've talked about today, very well go into six or seven games.
0: Yeah. Including the one that you picked the Utah mavs series. I can go seven. I mean more playoff basketball, more better in my opinion. So, and and honestly, if it wasn't for Chris Finch thinking he was Phil Jackson and letting the Minnesota (laughs) Timberwolves play out during a run, a, a Grizzlies 21 to nothing run when the, when, Minnesota was up by like 27. The series could be 3-1, but thankfully he screwed that up and gives us a chance at a seven-game series. Well, from favorite series, we got to go on to the negative here. Disappointing series. I know which one I'm more disappointed in, and and those that know me best probably know what I'm (laughs) going to say. But Montana, for you, which has been the most disappointing series of all of them that's going right now?
1: Nuggets Warriors. I honestly – we almost saw an MVP candidate who most likely will end up winning the MVP. I'm starting to think, you know, Jokic will win it, which not that he doesn't deserve it, but I obviously have be over him. But I still see Jokic being the one that probably walks away with it. He, to see, I think it said he'd be the first, if he wins the MVP, the first MVP winner to be swept in the first. Something, something along those lines. There's some stat. Obviously now it's 3-1. They're back in it. They're playing the Warriors. The Warriors have control of this series. But, I mean, the Warriors have seen a 3-1 series before. So, <laughs> a little bit different, obviously. That no jab around. there. Yeah. you. I mean, they've seen it, but I don't see the Nuggets coming back 3-1. I can see the Nuggets winning one more game and then the Warriors taking care of it. Um, but I'm disappointed because I thought this was going to be a back-and-forth series. I'm like, okay, yeah, the Warriors have more shooters. You know, they're going to probably play a little bit outside. But this Nuggets team, in my opinion, should have been controlling and dominating the inside on the defense and offense. They have not done that. They have not done that at all. They have been taken for a ride in every single part of the game. You know, defense, offense. They didn't wake up until the last game. Obviously, they won. Pretty impressive game. It was back and forth. It was competitive. The Warriors didn't want them to win that. They didn't give them that game at all. The Nuggets fought. But I expected this to be a six-game series. I still did have the Warriors coming out on top, but I thought this was going to be a six-game series. Frankly, it could still be a six-game series, sure. but this Warriors team very well could take care of it next next game and say, no, we're done. We gave you – you got one. Especially Warren. at home. Yep. Yeah, especially – yeah they don't want to lose there and and for the most part it's it, that's a hard place to win at especially come playoff time. So I think this Warriors team takes care of it in game in this next game. Um very disappointed like I just said I really thought it was going to be a closer fought series. Um and and the problem is this Nuggets team until this last game even within the games before the you know the final buzzer it hasn't been that close throughout the whole game you know maybe they're down 8 maybe they're down 6 but you slowly see them get down 15 16 we've seen them go down by a lot we've seen them we i've never seen the nuggets control this series until the last game um, sure. too little too late i definitely think so could they pull something off and make a push maybe we see another seven game series i really don't <laughs> think that's going to happen that would be that would really shock me to see them make it past six games sure i personally have them getting out in five. I really do. I have the Warriors coming back and saying, nope, this is it. Taking control of it. Winning it. That's it. Um, but I was disappointed because not only do you have Jokic, but you have some great players around him. You should not be down 3-1. Yes, the Warriors are the two seed, but I call the Nuggets my, like, surprise playoff team. And I take that back because I am surprised, <laughs> but not in a good way. So, yeah, Nuggets-Warriors <laughs> is, my, is my pick okay. for that.
0: Okay. Okay i mean look good pick um and, and Jokic is still putting up numbers but i think the what the warriors are doing is saying and they're still playing some tough d and trying to be a little physical with, with nikola Jokic. they're perfectly fine with letting nikola Jokic get his numbers but as long as they can shut out everybody else and you know that's difficult to do it and you really see the nuggets really missing key players with injuries i mean Missing Jamal Murray, missing Michael Porter Jr. Those two guys on on the Nuggets roster make this a completely different series. Different, different series. I still think the Warriors would would um, come out of it with a victory, but it'd be a much harder That would be a seven game series right there. Um, oh,
1: yeah.
0: You know, that's that's two other guys that you have to guard on the court and take very seriously. Not that you wouldn't take the other players seriously, but you know what I mean. Um, I think the Warriors should close that one out at the Chase Center here, and um, you know. Send, send the Nuggets packing. One, two, three, Cancun. But I will give the Nuggets credit this or this type, type of credit. They were down 3-0. They could have just rolled over, get swept, be on their merry way. But they did show some fights. So I'll, I'll give Mike Malone and that that squad some credit. Um, they can very well win another game. And then the, the pressure goes back on the Warriors. But I'm with you. I think the Warriors handled business in game five. For me, to the surprise of absolutely no one that knows me and can't tell what team I, I root for by my, my hat and my shirt is the Chicago Bulls and Milwaukee Bucks series. Now, it is the most disappointing series for me as a Bulls fan, but I can't say I'm overly surprised. Um, Bulls are down 3-1. They had a chance to win in Milwaukee in in game one. Um, That was uh, the game where Ian Eagle said, this game is like a rock fight because neither (laughs) neither team could hit a bucket. It was kind of ugly to watch. And the Bulls had their chances. And in Milwaukee, if you if you watch a lot of Bucks games, even last year on their way to the NBA Finals, and even during the Finals against the Sun, one thing that Milwaukee did, I think they still do, but not the last two games obviously, is let teams hang around and let teams get back into it. I think the difference here is the Bulls are the type of team that when they're down they can't come back for whatever reason. When they're down, they'll 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 make you know cut into a lead. A little bit but they won't come all the way back down from a 20-point victory not, not, or a 20-point deficit not not often they do not this squad um so i think that's one adjustment that the bucks have made is when they get up on a on, big on a team they're stepping on their throats um the bulls are not the golden state warriors the golden state warriors live and die by the jump shot as charles barkley likes to say i mean they have a lot more ball movement and play a lot better defensively but the bulls aren't hitting shots either they're not getting the 50 50 balls you would think, at least I thought, after game two, when Chris Middleton got hurt and went down with an MCL sprain, they said he was going to be done for this series. I'm thinking, okay, we got a shot. Take advantage of the opportunity. And we're going back to Chicago? Like, come on. No. The Bucs just came out and, and posted 20-point victories. Uh, Chicago's new enemy number one, Grayson Allen, had two big games and big games three and four. Yanni uh, said that Ducumbo has been playing up to his MVP caliber self. You know, that's the type of player that you think that, you know, let's let him get his and and shut down the others. Well, the Bulls haven't shut down anybody. So I really don't see the Bulls with a chance in game five back up in Milwaukee. I think Milwaukee takes care of business. I'm happy that the Bulls didn't get swept, but I would have thought that they would have came out and shown more fight in games three and four at home at the United Center instead of getting blown out. Um yeah, that, that, that's, that's my disappointing series. And, you know, unfortunately it's like going to be almost time for the bulls, to say one, two, three Cancun hard to be critical of my team, but I give credit where credit's due and criticism where it's warranted. So yep. Bulls bucks.
1: And yeah, no, I, and I agree. That was, that was my second pick. Um, the only reason it wasn't my first is I wasn't shocked. And we'd kind of talked about this going before this. We talked about like, I think it was the first, the first episode we talked about if they were real, or if they were a real team, Um, And I think we both came to the conclusion that they are on their well way of becoming a real team. They were a real team, but maybe not a real team this go around in these playoffs. I honestly am excited to see this Bulls team in the future. Um, It's a super, super, super exciting squad. I think they're going to retain a lot of who they have. I think they're going to make some moves um, and kind of get ready for that next season. But Great season from where they were last season and the few and the few seasons before. Sure. That, just an amazing sure. turnaround. So yeah. props to them. Um, that Bucks team is hot. I mean, that Bucks team. Oh yeah. That Bucks team. Defending is champs. Like, yeah, and they're playing like it. They're defending that title. They really are. So, Bucks. I mean playing the Bucks in round one is something you don't want to do. <laughs> no matter who you are, no matter who was matched up with them, that would be a tough first round opponent. Um, yeah. because they take care of business. So not super shocked, but I was hoping the, the Bulls would at least make it a six game, seven game, you know, at least at least and maybe not even that, but just closer games, more you know, better be a little bit more competitive. Exactly. Sure. Better sure more competitive, better performances, whether you win or lose. As long as it was more competitive, that may be a little bit of a different conversation. But yeah, definitely disappointing, but lots of hope for the future for that team, for sure.
0: Yeah, no, the arrows pointed up. They got the right management in place. They're making good mm-hmm. moves. Bulls obviously miss Lonzo Ball tremendously. I yes. never thought I would say that a couple of years ago. The Bulls would miss Lonzo Ball, but they do. Mm-hmm. You know, he, he's the ball, primary ball handler. Um, he, he can hit an outside shot. He's, he's done a, unlike Ben Simmons. He's worked on his game and developed an outside jump shot. Um, six, six long arms can defend, you know, they, 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 definitely miss him, but you know, give credit to the bucks, defending champions. People don't talk about that enough. The bucks won the championship last year. This is a really good team. Chris Middleton or not, they have one of the best player, if not the best player in the, in the, in the league. And Yannis Adesokumbo, they are deep. They have three all-stars. I mean, Drew Holiday is an all-star caliber player. Um, one thing the bulls need going forward and what the bucks have is a dog,
1: mm-hmm.
0: just a, a guy that, you know, a tough guy that will just, you know, the dirty work, you know, someone that could be a fan favorite. That's Bobby Porter's the bucks. Um, so, you know, you know, I think the bucks will continue to make a run of the Eastern conference. You know, I'm hoping the bulls are competitive and forced to take game six. Just don't see it. So, well, in other news, uh, not playoff related, um, The second coaching uh, firing has occurred over the last couple of days. You know, we had the Lakers firing Frank Vogel a little while ago. uh, Some to be expected. A little bit of a scapegoat job, if you ask me. But you know, coaches get credit, or the players get credit when they win, and the coaches get credit when they lose, meaning the blame uh, when they lose. But anyway, James Borrego uh, was fired from the Charlotte Hornets as head coach a few days ago, uh, despite. Uh, leading the Hornets back to the plan for the second year in a row. Montana, do you think uh, the Hornets made a good move in firing uh, head coach Borrego or a good move?
1: They absolutely made the right decision. I mean, he did. We definitely saw a progression in this Hornets team when he was the coach. You know, there were some bright spots. I think that he did pretty well. I think that, and I'm not going to give him all credit. LaMelo Ball is a very talented player. Um, definitely, in my opinion, the most talented ball brother. And, I mean, you know, he will have a, that'll be a conversation for another day because it's definitely him and Lonzo are different players. They share a lot of the same skill sets with the different players. But LaMelo is great. I truly think that his talent was properly grown through this coach. I think that the lineups, the rotations – and the way that that team was ran and going, to the coach's benefit, that I think was a bright spot. But now they're ready to move forward and get that coach who's going to take them past the plan. You've made the plan in two times. Well, let's go past that. You know, let's go past that and show the NBA that we're one of the most talented young teams that we've ever seen. I truly think the Charlotte team is one of the most talented younger teams that we've seen in a while, if ever. I really do. I think that they have a lot of talent, and I think they're going to make some moves outside of just the coach to boost them past just the play-in and into a playoff team. So, I'm not super surprised. Um, respect to him, I do think, like I said, that he did his coaching benefited the team, but they're looking for that next step, and I don't think he would take them to the next step. Um, there, there's I truly I do think there will be a lot of good candidates out there. Um, there always are so many qualified, talented candidates. Um, so I do think that they'll find a really good coach that will bring them to the next level. Hey, maybe call LeVar Ball up. You know, he knows L- L- LaMelo the best. Let's give, Levar, let's give LeVar a chance. Let's get him up. I'd love to see oh, some of no. The I'd love Oh, to see no. Oh, no. He's going to be
0: wearing be- uh, baller brand suits. And, <laughs> yeah. oh, my gosh. Oh my- yeah. I-, I saw I- – I don't know if you saw the commercial, but I saw the at and commercial with LaMelo Ball that aired this weekend with- in the LeVar Ball. Actually, a pretty good job, like Lavar Ball in that ad. But I saw him like, "Oh no, not this guy!"
1: Uh, <laughs> yeah, no. He, oh he man. Vocal, and he—he's always been
0: vocal. Oh no, he—he'd be vocal. He, he definitely—that's one thing. That's one uh, thing he would be—is vocal.
1: Definitely. Well, look, I—I oh,
0: no, yeah. I, I think <sighs> since Jordan's taken owner, Michael Jordan's taken ownership of the Charlotte franchise. I think the best movie he's done is made uh change the name from the bobcats to the hornets back i think that was a smart move but other than that you know we can talk about a handful of other smart moves he's made this one i don't think was a smart move i don't agree with it one bit they've had a hard time getting uh a decent coaches in charlotte you know borrego yes yeah, after four years if you look at four years on paper you expect a coach to make the playoffs after four years from that aspect i do understand the firing however if you look at it in a microcosm last year they were 33 and 39 led them to the play-in game. This year, with an improving Eastern Conference, we talked about it last week in our East versus West debate, the Hornets improved by 10 games. And unfortunately, all that got them is the exact same spot, the 10 spot. And they couldn't do anything with it in the play-in game. and got blown out in the play-in. But I would have thought a 10-game improvement, and obviously, you've seen growth of LaMelo Ball. I think that uh, some credit has to go to Borrego, like you said, for allowing him to grow and allowing him to play his game, right? I would have thought that would have warranted one more year. That you're saying the arrow go up. Now I I get the argument. Okay, let's bring somebody else in there to take this team to the next level. But have we really trusted Charlotte to do the right thing as far as personnel hires? Okay, they brought Steve Clifford in, but they really didn't get him a chance to succeed. They got they got an exciting roster, and what's going to be key for them is deciding what they're going to do with with Miles Bridges. They didn't re-sign him, to do a, a contract, and you know, they're going to let him test the, the free agency waters. He will be a re- restricted free agent, I believe, which means that Hornets could match any offer he gets. But they'll probably end up overpaying for Miles Bridges to bring him back, which I think they should. Uh, they have to decide what they're going to do with Gordon Haywood. He got hurt again, didn't really play much. He's making $30 million a year. But they have an exciting core, Bridges, LaMelo Ball. Um, they got to stop signing Plumleys, any of the Plumley brothers. I don't care if they went to Duke or not. Stop signing Plumley's. Um, but you know it's going to be interesting to see who they bring in as coach. The first call I would make out—I'm not saying I would hire him—but you, if I was the Hornets, young team like that, I would make a call to Frank Vogel. Yep, he, he just got—he just got fired from the Lakers. The man has a ring. Say what you want about him, mm-hmm. about you know LeBron and AD being on that team, but Frank Vogel, even before the Lakers, was a good coach. We talked about that for, before. Call Frank Vogel. At least give him an interview. I don't know if he'll fit, but I think he's a good coach. You know, there's other guys out there. Terry Stotts. Don't tell that to the Portland guys uh Portland fans. He, you know, the guy doesn't make many adjustments. But Terry Stotts is a name. You know, the Van Gundy's always seem to be up in, in the in the news and, and job interviews. They, you know, Jeff Van Gundy's been interviewing for head coaching jobs for 14 years, hasn't gotten any, but he's got a nice job in the booth, so I don't I don't blame him. Mark Jackson's name might get brought up. Hell, you might even hear Kenny Smith. There's always that North Carolina connection between, you know, Michael Jordan, you know, hiring Carolina guys and things like mm-hmm. that. You know. Darvin Ham is an assistant, up and coming assistant, probably is due for a head coaching job. And another guy I'd like to see get another chance is Lloyd Pierce, who was uh, the coach for Atlanta as well. I mean, there's some other names out there, but, you know, hopefully this is a good move for Charlotte and firing Borrego. Mm-hmm. And hopefully they can bring in someone that can be a, a good coach to, You know, lead this team to the next level.
1: And I totally agree. I think I can agree with giving him one. I can see like one more season because, like you said, it has been going up. Each season he's been there, it's been going up. Um, But I do think they're in that win now, make it to the next level now. Yes, the process, you know, we've heard all, oh, trust the process. That's a 76ers excuse, if you ask me. So (laughs) I don't believe in trust the process, no matter what team it is. But I agree. I think you, you I think the first person that you call up is Frank Vogel. I really do. The guy has a ring and he earned it. He he was a great coach. We were de- the Lakers were defensive monsters his first those first two seasons, you know. This season not so much, but I'm not blaming that on, on him at all. He was that scapegoat. He was the person that everyone put the blame to. The best example of that is the last game of the season. You get all those you get LeBron, AD, all those guys are out. They pull off a win. Of course, Jokic wasn't playing. They pull off a win against a much more talented Nuggets team, even without Jokic. You got our young guys in that want to play. Frank Vogel knows how to coach those young and hungry guys. Get him on this Charlotte team. See what he can do. I guarantee you, you put Frank Vogel on that Charlotte team, and they're a fifth or sixth seed next season. Guarantee. I don't know if I can guarantee right. anything. But that's that's my, my thought, is you put Vogel on a team – that I think he gravitates to teams like that. I think he could coach a young and hungry team very well. And we've seen it before, before the Lakers. I mean, he's coached young and hungry teams before young and hungry play. So I say you put it, you take a chance on him. I think that's the first number you call up.
0: Yeah, yeah, definitely agree. Well, it'll be interesting to see who Charlotte hires going forward. I'm sure that won't be the last coaching firing. There might be a guy in Brooklyn that might be looking for a new job in another coaching Let's not uh, talk about that until it happens. Well, we are coming to a close here on episode five, Montana. You believe it. We've done five of these things, episode yeah. five of well beyond the arc here. Uh, thank you for joining us. But uh, before you go, don't forget to subscribe. If you haven't already, if you're watching us on YouTube to the Yankee and the Brit, uh, our podcast is part of, uh, as everyone knows, the Yankee and the Brit sports group. And also, Montana and I have some other projects we work on outside of this this podcast. Montana, you want to tell our viewers and listeners about your other podcast?
1: Definitely. So I have another podcast called The Connor and Heffernan Show. Um, we are on Spotify, Podbean, Amazon Music. For the fifth episode in a row, I'm saying we're still trying to figure out Apple. Technical <laughs> difficulties getting certified something messed up with our picture. Our cover art is messed up, and, and Apple keeps rejecting it but we are finally on youtube as well we have no videos nothing has been done on the channel but you can find us on youtube as well at the connor and heffernan show most likely we'll have our first youtube podcast video out next week so definitely be sure to check that out
0: absolutely absolutely i'll be checking that out myself um also please don't forget to head over to my blog the sportspageblog.com uh, just released a new entry uh, a couple days ago about random NFL Hall of Famers playing for teams you didn't think they ex- you didn't think you'd ever see them play. Um, spoiler alert, and I didn't know this, Broadway Joe Nathan played for the Rams. Who knew? Probably well, most of the country. <laughs> well, thanks again for joining us. And to the GMs of the uh, New Orleans Pelicans and Brooklyn Nets, listen, Zion and ben Simmons don't want to play and these guys are making at least 10 10 million in, in Zion's case ben Simmons 33 million I will take the league minimum to warm up dress for the team you don't have to play me just I'll be in there put me on the league minimum I'll be on your squad call me so long everybody